In the mid-2000s, Matt Rogers started as an intern on the engineering team at Apple that was working on the iPod. At the time, Tony Fidel was running the iPod group that Rogers reported into. Rogers went on to work on the iPhone and the iPad, and then in 2009, in what must have seemed like a crazy move at the time, after both Rogers and Fidel left Apple, they decided to collaborate on, of all things, a thermostat. They began designing the prototype out of a garage that Rogers rented in Silicon Valley. How do you go from designing three of the sexiest tech products that each became ubiquitous and dominated their categories to working on a thermostat? What could be less exciting than a thermostat? When Rogers presented the idea of building a smart home to Fidel, even Fidel, who was building his own smart home at the time, told Rogers he thought that smart homes were only for geeks. Eventually, Fidel told Rogers that instead of a whole smart home, he'd like him to focus on a smart thermostat, and they came up with a plan to deliver on one with an interface as friendly as an iPod in just six months. This required a team of 100 people, and Fidel and Rogers released the first generation of the Nest device in 2011. Two things seem revolutionary about it. First, I'd hazard to say that before Nest, the overwhelming majority of people couldn't tell you the name of the company that manufactured their thermostats. For people who purchased Nests, the user interface was so enticing that people began to brag about their thermostat. If you've ever used a Nest, you'd know that there are no switches or mechanical buttons. There's just a dial. As you turn the dial, you see different options, which are really menus and sometimes menus within menus. When you press on the dial, it selects the menu you want, and then you're presented with more choices you can see by turning the dial. Again, you press to choose air conditioning or press to choose the temperature you want. Strange as it may sound, using Nest is fun. Then there was the second innovation. You could control your Nest from an app on your iPhone or Android device. I have two Nest thermostats in my home. There are many times when I'm lying in bed and too lazy to get up and change the temperature. So I take out my phone or my iPad and change the temperature from where I am. Yes, it's an exercise in extraordinary laziness. In subsequent Nest models, they incorporated a motion sensor to detect when you were in a room and then adjusted the HVAC to the temperature you liked. If the device didn't recognize any motion, then the HVAC was turned off to actually save you money on your energy bill. The experience was so revolutionary at the time Nest was released in 2011 that sales went through the roof. Only a month after its release, it was sold out in Nest's online store. Three years later, Google bought the company for $3.2 billion. I'm guessing that very few of the people listening to this podcast actually thought about thermostats in 2009. That was the year a startup called Echobee launched its first thermostat with a simple idea to bring intelligence to what might have seemed to many to be the most boring of products. This thermostat was connected to the internet so that you could modify your home's temperature from your smartphone even when you were away from home. If someone told me about a podcast episode that discussed thermostats a few years ago, I think that would have been on my never listen to list. And it would have been still lower on my list if I thought about creating that podcast myself. But thermostats are big business, and as it turns out, a gateway to much more functionality within the home. If a thermostat possesses a motion sensor, it might inform other decisions about how the room operates. Motion at a certain time of day might trigger a decision about what lights to turn on or whether the blinds should be open or shut. 
This type of thermostat could also impact my wallet. Instead of running heat or cool air all the time, now a thermostat could be smart enough to only heat or cool a room when you entered or left. The thermostat space seemingly has all the attributes of a big vertical ripe for massive disruption by startups. It's a huge market where for decades it's felt like the basic functionality of a thermostat hasn't changed. So with the introduction of Nest and Ecobee, you might think this would spell doom for the incumbents. By 2016, smart thermostats were also gaining dramatic market share of the total market for all thermostats. According to Blake Kozak, principal analyst at the market research firm IHS Market, in 2016, 29 million thermostats were sold worldwide. 7 million of those were smart thermostats. And still the company with the largest share for thermostats before the introduction of Nest and Ecobee remains today the company with the largest share of all thermostats, including smart thermostats. You're listening to Predicting Our Future. I'm Andrew Weinrich. This podcast explores current industries that are ripe for massive disruption, as well as some of the most exciting opportunities for entrepreneurs to explore. This is the third episode in a series about the future of the smart home and my prediction that in the near future, the smart home will change the way you live. In the last episode, I investigated how startups have been making waves with innovative hardware devices and the evolving role of crowdfunding. In this episode, I'll examine how an industry titan is able to maintain its lead in the smart thermostat space and what this means for other smart home players. After Apple launched the iPhone, they quickly eviscerated Nokia's market share for high-end cell phones and forced them into a virtual fire sale to Microsoft. Amazon, a startup from the dot-com era, has left a graveyard of retail companies in its wake. But in the home device market, from thermostats to lights, the biggest of players seems to be evading the odds. Not only are they competing with startups, but they appear to be thriving in this new world of devices for the smart home. Honeywell is a global conglomerate with business interests in aerospace, building materials, engineering services, and home and building technologies. At the time of this recording, their market capitalization was over $100 billion. In 2016, their revenue exceeded $39 billion. While their thermostat sales are huge in absolute terms, they represent just a tiny percentage of what this multinational that employs over 130,000 people sells. If you were trying to identify the stereotypical 300-pound gorilla that was ripe for a knockdown by startups in this space, Honeywell would seem to be it. I spoke with Scott Harkins, the VP of the IoT Partner Programs within Honeywell's Connected Home and Buildings Group. My first interest was in understanding how Honeywell defined their role in the home. Where Honeywell has traditionally played and, and had a leadership role has been in, you know, what we would call the comfort space. So when I say comfort, think about uh, thermostats, HVAC controls, and those kind of things. Uh, and then what we call a peace of mind space. So think about security systems and building automation systems. And over the last five years or so, those products, which 10 years ago weren't connected in any way, have rapidly moved towards connectivity. So thermostats today, the fastest growing part of our portfolio uh, is the connected smart thermostat. Well in advance of the smart thermostat market emerging, Honeywell was thinking about connecting devices to the internet, just in other contexts. Our security systems actually have been 
I'm giving you finger quotes, Andrew, but been been connected, gosh, forever. I've been in that space since 1988. And while they might not have had apps back then, they were systems that were clearly connected from, you know, the home back to some uh, monitoring center to dispatch police when needed in some kind of automated way. So all of those products now across our portfolio are connected. So they're smart, they're app controlled, they control not only the security system, but also you know, all the peripherals, locks, lights, anything else that might be in the home that can be connected. And then over the past, um, I would say about two years, we've really expanded in the home in a big way. In the home today, we have thermostats, security systems, uh, water leak detectors. We've just launched our first DIY camera in about the last six weeks. And then in the building, in the commercial segment, where we've also been a large HVAC player, a large security player, um, and a building automation player, those platforms have all also become connected. So um, they work together, you know, they provide a new, new value back to the facility managers. Honeywell's focus on the smart thermostat isn't simply a vestige of their long history in the thermostatic space. Scott believes there are a few devices that are critical to controlling the most important aspects of the future smart home. If you think about where Honeywell has played in the peace of mind space of so thermostats, HVAC, security, indoor air quality, you know, one of the leading uh, air filter companies in the world, uh, and awareness with cameras. So if you think about those three things, cameras, thermostats, uh, a peace of mind and security, these are like the three leading categories in the connected home space. And, and yes, appliances are becoming connected rapidly. Um, you know, to your toaster, your fork, all of those seem to have players that are trying to build connectivity. Where we really try to focus are the things that are important at the consumer level. A connected solution that just kind of understands the consumer's habits in the home so that when they get home from work or you know from wherever, the house is already comfortable and personalized to the way they like it. That protects the home while whether they're there or not. That gives them awareness about what's going on in their home so it can notify them at home or on the road via the app that provides services like uh, you know, alarm monitoring, dispatching of police or EMS services that uh, that provides other services like for indoor air quality. Right, One of the cooler things a smart thermostat can do is it will know when your air filter, right, a very non-connected kind of product. It's just a filter when that becomes dirty and, and when it becomes dirty, it becomes an energy problem for the home. We can automatically notify the consumer. We can automatically notify Amazon to ship out a, a, a filter so it shows up on the doorstep the next day. Uh, so we layer those services on top. Now, the product in and of itself has to be a great thermostat, uh, has to be able to control temperature. The security system has to detect a fire or a burglary. The cameras have to see when things are moving and you know, make the proper notifications. But, but ultimately, we think that them acting or, or successfully performing uh, what the consumer hired them to do is kind of a minimum to compete. It's the services that you layer on top of that that I think really bring value. Saving consumers money by enrolling them in local demand response programs is an example. One of the biggest challenges with all these smart home devices we'll talk about in this podcast series is when and how they should be installed. Buildings aren't like phones where people essentially throw them out after a few years of use. Most buildings are used for decades, and it's actually a small percentage of the total number of people moving into new residences that is represented by new construction. It's easy to imagine how smart thermostats or speakers or locks or air purifiers get installed 
when a building is first constructed. But what about for all the residences where people currently live and there are no plans to take down walls and bring in professional contractors? In this case, Scott talked about a do-it-yourself alternative for Honeywell's water sensor that detects whether you have a leak in your basement. We really take two approaches. So we have a consumer approach or, or a DIY approach, and we have a professional approach to market. So two big channels that we go to market with. Um, so if we start with a water leak detector, we, we have really two solutions. So in the home, we have uh, in a DIY manner, we have a Wi-Fi enabled product that can be purchased online, can be purchased at Home Depot. Uh, it's literally about a one-minute setup by the consumer via the app. It uses Bluetooth for that, and it sits in a place where you know someone might fear a water leak. Uh, it has a couple of unique features to it. One is it is Wi-Fi, and yet it has a three-year battery life, which is pretty impressive, and extensive. And the second thing is it has what I call a tail, so uh, you know, essentially a wire that hangs off of it that's about four feet long. That if water touches anywhere along that line or along that tail, that, that's also a water detector. So one device can cover a pretty broad area, in fact, up to 400 feet. Um, in a personal example, I would have it around my water heater in, in the basement that's just below me, and it also goes over to where my HVAC system is. So one water detector is you know, detecting two areas that are areas of likely leaks, right? Maybe too much condensation or something from the AC or water heaters tend to fail by leaking. Um, but it's Wi-Fi connected and connected directly to the cloud. So no use for a hub or, or some kind of control device. On the professional side, our security system, the Honeywell Lyric security system, uh, has Z-Wave capability built into it. So we can talk to Z-Wave devices like lights and locks. But we also make a wireless water leak detector that talks in our security protocol. So uh, just a small, about the size of a matchbox a water leak detector that can go around the home, talk back to the control center. Both of these devices can be controlled by apps uh, for the consumer. And that particular one will send a signal back to a professional monitoring station if it does detect a leak. And, and you know, that, that monitoring center will have some process in place to respond to that. So that talks to the panel, the control panel that's in the home, uh, then up to the Honeywell cloud. The Lyric water leak detector, uh, end freeze detector, report you know, via Wi-Fi out to our cloud. One of the fatal mistakes you see large companies make when a vertical is going through disruption is a belief that they can do everything on their own. By comparison, a startup tries to understand the dynamics of an ecosystem, appreciates the diversity of the players, and tries to figure out how to focus on what it's best at and cooperate on everything else. So I was curious how Honeywell viewed the ecosystem for smart home devices and whether they saw everyone as friend or foe or some combination thereof. By our works with Honeywell program, we've gone out and integrated with every leading connected home platform out there, even if uh, they are you know, theoretically a competitor. Uh, you know, I, as an example, if you would have looked at the Google earnings release this week, Google mentions Honeywell as a key partner in their Google Home ecosystem. You'll see that kind of across the industry, whether it's lighting or locks or or you know HVAC systems is just this connected world sometimes forces competitors to work closely together even though on some other things they might be competing. Honeywell's strategy seemed to be to stick to the areas they know best and outsource the rest. 
In categories where Honeywell doesn't have a connected solution today, we will typically do either a cloud-based, cloud-to-cloud integration, or you know, or if they have a Z-Wave alternative, obviously we'll be able to integrate that way. Honeywell uh, doesn't play in the connected lighting space. We would integrate with Lutron or Levitin or some other light fix bulbs or some other third party via either API or in, in some cases Z-Wave, in some cases in Lutron's case, even using their wireless, their RAW2 technology. With our Lyric products, we look at companies like Schlage and we see you know, either their Z-Wave solutions or their uh, Schlage Sense solution and, and we drive integration. So we want the consumer to have a single uh, interface. But by the way, that interface doesn't have to be the Honeywell interface, but we want them to be able to, if they've chosen Honeywell, uh, be able to control their locks and their lights in a singular app experience. I believe we're the only company on Alexa, Siri, uh, Google Assistant, and we also work on Samsung, not voice enabled yet, but the three main platforms. So I want to provide that consumer as much flexibility as possible, how they interact in their home, how they interact with their home. Well, one of the goals is, hey, let's make some Honeywell homes, but sometimes the customer won't make you know, a, a 100% Honeywell decision. So let's make sure if they want to work with a, another solution, our products work with that solution as well. In the case of the Schlage integration, you compete with Schlage, but you're saying integrating, for example, Schlage with voice commands or trying to think what the integration would be, sort of if-then conditional statements with your thermostat or some of the other products you offer, you would use Honeywell's interface for that type of integration. Yeah. So we, we've opened up our uh, APIs for our connected home products. So third parties can very easily integrate with us. And uh, I, I wouldn't view a Schlage as a competitor, but actually a very, a very strong partner of ours because we don't play in that lock space. We also work with August because we don't play in the lock space. Again, Lutron and the lighting. In categories where we don't have a product, we, we try to go build strong partnerships with some you know, alternatives for the consumer. So one of the, the cooler technologies we have across our product offerings is geofencing. So the system knows if the consumers are home or not. So if the homeowner's away, it can then automatically arm the alarm system, set back the temperature, make sure the doors are locked, make sure the garage door is closed, kinds of things that maybe the consumer doesn't have to worry about anymore. Or a use case for a lock could be something as simple as when I come home, if it's, let's pretend it's a touchpad lock, my locks are Schlage and they're all voice activated with Siri. Uh, so I talk to it, I say unlock the door and it then can disarm my alarm system before I walk in. Scott says they don't play in the connected lock space, but they do play in the digital lock space. When you say you don't compete with Schlage, on Honeywell's website, there's a digital lock offering. We have locks in the market, but they're not connected into our connected home platform. You can go into some retailers where we'll sell Honeywell branded locks. But that's just a matter of time, right? I mean, at some point you would integrate them into your connected home environment and then you would be a direct competitor of, of Schlage, no? Yeah. So again, there's an interesting relationship. As we move down the path, whether through our licensees, whether our locks or, or lights or other things, we would certainly want to make sure that the consumer that buys a Honeywell branded product gets a Honeywell branded kind of experience. So we would want to bring them into our platform for sure. But again, we want to make sure the consumer has as much flexibility as possible. If they decide to buy my thermostat, we want them to buy our camera. <laughs> we want them to buy our security system, but we're not forcing them to do that. We're gonna, we have to win that battle based on our value. Yeah, if they've chosen some other third-party device, then we want to make sure that product works with ours. 
In the last episode, I talked with Naeem Hussein of Keenhome. If you recall, this company had a very different approach to thermostatic controls. Instead of trying to put a smart thermostat in every zone within a home, they decided to offer an ability to control every vent. The use for this might be more obvious in an office setting where every room has a vent, but not a thermostat. The vent represents a great way to control temperature. But imagine you're in your bedroom with your significant other and there are two vents, one of which is blowing air on your head and the other is closer to your partner. In this scenario, it could also make sense to control them individually from your app, so you can let a lot of cold air through one and let very little cold air through the other. I asked Scott whether he saw this type of product as an eventual threat. He seemed unfazed. Is there someone in your group who's, you know, whose job it is to say, okay, let's check out what's going on the crowd funding sites and see whether there's anyone who's coming out of a garage that's going to be building a, a product that's either competitive with us or, or that we need to integrate with? Yeah. So yeah, he, uh, that's my job. <laughs> Your job is, is, uh, is, is be on Kickstarter every day. Yeah. Part of my role or my team's role is to be highly engaged in the startup community for a lot of reasons. Uh, the best one is that some startups come in the market with pretty unique technology. And by the way, startups don't have to just be product. It could be analytics startups. Uh, there are a bunch of voice startups out there. So we talk to them all the time. We're involved in a few accelerators on a global scale. We've actually just launched a venture capital fund about six weeks ago to start investing in those startups that have uh, you know, the coolest technology that might impact one of our connected businesses. But yeah, we watch it very, very closely. So you say, do we know Keen? Yeah, we know Keen. We know EchoVent. We know Flare. We know Aaliyah Labs. We know all the smart vent companies. We know most of the startup camera space companies. Uh, I, I don't want to overstay, but I'm sure there's a bunch of stealth companies we don't know. <laughs> but we are very, very, very connected in that space for a lot of reasons. One of them is, you know, is there technology there that we might be able to create a partnership uh, to embed into our technology? Is there technology there where we might be able to offer a better channel to market than that startup has? We have 80,000 professional contractors and tens of thousands of retail outlets that sell the Honeywell brand. It's a pretty good way to get to market for a startup. Or kind of a third option is, is there something there worth integrating to? So uh, with literally thousands of connections across our connected platform. So, you know, sometimes we want to bring startups in and see if there's a way that we can leverage their technology to help both organizations. And sometimes it might be just a pure integration. But yeah, startups are definitely on the radar every day. Perhaps Honeywell's perspective in the smart home space is partially informed by the fact that they build a whole host of products in the IoT space delivered at massive scale. We're also in several other connected spaces. So we're in the connected industrial market for you know, oil, uh, gas, chemical facilities, you know, really large scale IoT deployments. We're in the connected aerospace market, so connected airplanes. We're in the connected worker market, using connectivity to make workers more productive. We do connected freight solutions that we rolled out earlier this year. So connected auto, we're in a whole bunch of markets. So it's a very broad field. So software, it's not just about locks and lights and you know those kind of things, very broad. It's about how do we leverage the Honeywell sentience cloud infrastructure, which supports all of those connected organizations uh, to improve it, to drive new services, new technologies. I think most of the time it would likely be software oriented 
solutions. Now, the software might manifest itself in a piece of hardware, but it's probably more software, the values based on the software. As I mentioned before, Honeywell and others have been trying to promote the smart thermostat as a cost-saving measure for homeowners to install, as it can turn off the heater or air conditioner when it senses you're away from the home. What's really interesting, though, is that these companies are invested in getting the utility companies to pick up or subsidize the bill for these thermostats, so you are consuming less energy and therefore less onerous to the grid. At peak temperature, you know, when it's 99 degrees in Houston on August 10th, the utility will want to save energy so that they can keep commercial facilities open and powered. Uh, so they might shut your HVAC system off for two hours. So turn your air conditioner off. And before you become uncomfortable, it comes back on again. And utilities will do that in order to not have to invest in new power stations. And they will incentivize a consumer to do it with, sometimes they'll give them a smart thermostat. And sometimes they'll give them uh, you know, $150 rebate on their energy bill. Essentially, it's the utility that's paying you. It's not the end user. Correct. Yep. The utility pays the, the end user benefits. So a value in the end user. That's an existing model that's in market now and that smart thermostats are really starting to impact. So consumers adopt it because smart thermostats are, are so good in the past. It's been done in different ways. Um, but because smart thermostats can be controlled so easily remotely, it's a really easy way and inexpensive way for utilities to do it. And the rebates are large enough that consumers are enrolling in mass. Honeywell not only leads in the regular thermostat market, but in the smart thermostat market as well. According to Blake Kozak, principal analyst at IHS Market, Honeywell led the non-programmable thermostat industry in 2014 with about 27% of annual shipments in the European and American regions. For smart thermostats in 2016, their share was 38% in the European and American regions. Nest came second in this latter category with 32% of annual shipments to these regions. Scott's not shy in talking about Honeywell's successes. Our share in the thermostat space is tremendous. Uh, we're you know, clearly the market leader on a global basis by 3x. Uh, in the security space, it's the same way with home security. Market leader uh, by a very large way. We're in 150 million homes already. On a global basis, we sell, you know, tens of millions of devices into the home every every single year. So, yeah, there are people that will target us and maybe it'll be Google. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll be a startup. But we have to be, uh, you know, if we think consumer first and we provide value to the consumer, we think we're going to continue to be in a pretty strong position. Not all entrenched players suffer from the dinosaur infliction we associate with lack of innovation. In the case of Honeywell, they quickly recognized that the long-term viability of their thermostat business required a coherent smart home vision and cooperation with startups. I decided to devote an entire episode to the thermostatic space because I thought it might provide a blueprint for innovation in other areas within the smart home. This space has drawn such immense attention because the innovators here, startups and big companies alike, have recognized three elements for a successful smart home product launch. First, a product that can make a better experience of being in your home. Second, an application that in its first few years of being deployed can actually result in financial savings even after accounting for the cost of the device. And third, a user experience that instead of being intimidating for the unsophisticated end user, creates an enjoyable experience. 
In the case of thermostats, this tends to be a topic for discussion and almost a point of bragging when guests otherwise unfamiliar with these devices visit their first home with a smart thermostat installed. Do all smart home devices need to result in cost savings for the homeowner? For sure, the answer to that is no. As you'll hear in coming episodes, some devices help reclaim a user's time or offer peace of mind benefits. But if you're an entrepreneur listening to this podcast and thinking about what opportunities to pursue, you might examine how companies have approached smart thermostats and use it as a roadmap for assessing other smart home opportunities. Tune into the next episode in the series about the future of the smart home, where I'll speak to some of the biggest companies in the smart lighting space, an industry where the ideal technology solution is less than clear, and the competing players offer radically different implementations. If you'd like to learn more about the people featured in this podcast, go to predictingourfuture.com and don't forget to subscribe. This is Predicting Our Future.